Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and today I am joined by my good, good friend, Courtney Parr. (laughs) Courtney Parr got her undergraduate degree from University of Michigan Ross School of Business and began her career in investment banking, where she spent a couple of years doing mergers and acquisitions advisory, mostly healthcare, then moved over to a private equity fund doing large-scale investments across the healthcare, financial services, and consumer industries. Recently, she made the transition over to a company called Redesign Health, a mission-driven innovation platform that creates and launches healthcare companies. Welcome, Courtney. Hello. Hello. I should preface, Courtney and I have been friends since high school, sophomore year, Mr. Hilton's photography class. A great Um, class. A great class. There's some really great photo memories from that class. Photo memories of like us taking pictures of each other, not like taking pictures of real things. Yes, exactly. None of the things we submitted were good and or quality. No. But there's some great memories in there. Great memories. <laughs> um, so I've gotten to uh, watch Courtney through high school, college, and, you know, we've been lucky enough to enter early adulthood in New York together, um, which I'm super grateful for. So I'm excited to chat about your like post-grad life and just what you're up to now and how you've reached this point. I've had a few healthcare adjacent professionals now on the podcast, but never anyone like from the business side. Mm. So I was excited to chat about that Um, and just kind of what your intentions are there. And uh, honestly, Courtney always tells me like really... (laughs) Whether it's like finance or healthcare, she always just like is spitting facts at me that I'm like, what? Why don't I know this? That like, can't be true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. You know, <laughs> you know so much more than I do about it. both of those categories. Courtney is the reason I have a Roth IRA. I should add. Um, uh, Everyone should have a Roth IRA. And on that note, I should say that Alex did request some hot girl finance tips, so maybe we'll throw some in there. I don't know. We'll see. Great. Um, but. I cannot believe that we're doing this at four o'clock on a Friday. (laughs) Courtney Parr, who is she? I have never known you to have a normal schedule. That's true. This is probably the first time in a long time I've been able to do this. I have to admit, I like really thought that you were going to cancel on me. (laughs) I was like 95% sure that we were going to have to reschedule this because I was like, there's no way. Like Courtney like makes plans with like, good intentions and the intention of keeping them but most of the time they're rescheduled I love that that's what I'm known for um you're absolutely right and I definitely thought about it (laughs) (laughs) it's not like it's it's that like that that's what you're known for it's just like that's been the trend of the past few years very true yes and also I like to be extremely prepared for everything and anything that I do so um this is a little bit different without having a slide deck for me to walk through yes uh, this is not a presentation (laughs) and has notes on the bottom so this is no footnotes but it's fine (laughs) I'm not gonna like pop quiz you don't worry great um I would love to start with a description of what you do but I honestly can't begin to explain it so I was hoping (laughs) that you could do that for us of course um I do this a lot and I have to explain it over and over so So I do have that practice you're good yes great (laughs) Um, so I work for redesign health, which, um, we call healthcare innovation platform in the industry. It's kind of known as uh, a startup builder or a venture builder. Um, and what that means is we, rather than kind of on the investment side where I was before, where you invest in like an entrepreneur or business, Mm -hmm. we actually create and launch businesses ourselves. So 
my team um, does research. We like ideate on different ideas. Go ahead. No, I just, I'm, I'm trying to process. <laughs> so you create and launch healthcare platforms. Businesses. Yes. Businesses. So like mostly digital health businesses. So we okay. like my company has created now 27 different healthcare businesses across kind of the gamut of healthcare. So we have like a hearing aids business. We have a oh. mental health business. We have an a business in weight loss, et cetera. So we do it kind of anything across the healthcare sector. Oh. We create businesses. Wow. Yes. It's pretty cool. That is cool. And okay. Okay. That is that why you know th- okay, God. <laughs> I don't know at which point you were researching bamboo versus paper versus plastic. I feel like that was a different job. <laughs> it was it was a different job. <laughs> Um, I did a lot of in-depth diligence work in my last job where I went to understand industries. This is similar to that idea where I was, I was say, looking at, in, in that project, I was looking at recycling and how it worked and understanding the different facets of it and whatever. This is similar in that I do all that research. I look into an industry and I basically like tear it down. So if I'm looking at like cardiac, like cardiac care, for example, I would like go into the details of like, what is each point of cardiac care? What are the different surgeries? What are the different conditions, et cetera? I would tear that apart and I would go and I would talk to doctors. I would talk to patients. I would talk to people who pay for that and try and get a, yes, exactly. Now, and in the past it was similar in the research side of it, but now we're trying to actually solve it. Um, so that's the cool part about this job. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly rewarding. And it's like, tailored to normal people I imagine yes well (laughs) it it is um but yes it's 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 great for me because as you know I have spent the last several years being for lack of a better word just annoyed at how many issues we have in our health healthcare system and so in this job my company which is very mission driven in many ways like we want to improve outcomes for patients it's like very hands-on exactly we want to make it better but I get to spend my day finding problems and figuring out how to solve them um in kind of across the system which is which is awesome that is awesome and I feel like that's like one of those jobs where it's like oh this is something I want to do but I don't know how to get there how to do it so I'm just like really excited that you've reached that point where you're like doing the how yeah I got very lucky and I think I, I actually remember texting you at one point and being like I am annoyed because I was looking at jobs and I was looking at different startups and I was like, I'm annoyed because I can't figure out which one problem I want to oh, solve. Oh, yeah, you did say that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's frustrating for Wait, me. Wait, which ones were we debating? <laughs> it was like education, like yeah. nutrition. Like there was, there's so many different ones yeah. that I was like housing, right? Like yeah. there's so many things that, you know, it doesn't sound like healthcare on the surface, but these are things that are massive determinants of health in general. And I texted you and I was like, I which am avenue? so frustrated because I just, I have to pick one yeah. and I don't know how to do that in this job. I don't have to pick one. I get to kind of spend my time and, you know, I, I'll, I'll go into something deep and get to do that for, for a little while and then switch over. But I mean, that's what we do. Like we, we, we can solve multiple problems. Uh, <sighs> it's awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I'm just really happy to see you in something that like makes you feel fulfilled because that's huge. Yeah, totally. I mean, this has been, I got lucky in many ways. Um, but it's just been like such a perfect fit for me. This company is incredible. It's doing what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I found that at 25, which I feel pretty lucky to have found a company. I'm surrounded by super smart people and people who are invested in me um, and my like progress, et cetera. So it's, yeah, it's exciting. I love it. Um, so, but like, when did you, 
because I don't know if I can pinpoint this, even though I've known you for all these years. <laughs> like, when did you first decide that you wanted to go into healthcare? Yeah, um, it was actually, it was always something that interested me. Um, obviously, as you know, I was in the business school um, yeah. and I kind of, my, my dad worked in, in business and finance. My mom worked in kind of the nonprofit world. And so I ended up in business. I always thought it was super interesting. I always really liked like finance and like businesses, et cetera. I thought it was interesting, but I, but I always felt like I was for lack of a better way to say it, helping rich people get richer. And I wanted to actually be helping people. And so like, which is like an in-between. Yes, it is an in-between. Isn't it funny how that happens? I feel like that happens (laughs) to a lot of kids. Totally. Yeah. Um, very different worlds. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to find kind of the balance and I always felt like healthcare in business was a little bit of both because it felt like I was, I was still doing business and I was still Mm -hmm. working with businesses, but I was also like creating medical devices that were helping people or I was creating businesses that were helping people and were treating people, et cetera. So it kind of always felt like the in-between for me. Um, but the big thing for me was I took a class, an elective class to meet a like small requirement, like that was social in college, in college. I took a social studies, basically requirement. I took a class on, um, HIV and AIDS. Okay. Okay. This is what I thought might have been like the, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the word, but just like the, the turning point Yes. for yeah. when you decided that, that particular knowledge yes. and information. It was. Yeah. In many ways it was, it was always, an, uh, it was always an area of interest, but this class, um, really changed things for me. And what this did was, you learn that you feel like most people still don't know about in terms of that? Particular yeah. I mean, epidemic. Yeah, there's a million things. Um, yeah. I actually did my senior project, like going around asking people questions about HIV, and really? like people got ninety percent of them wrong. Um, really? So like how it spreads, like how prevalent it is, like there's just wait. I just saw a TikTok um, of Fauci, like from the nineties, mm, talking yeah. about how it spreads mm-hmm. and how people are like this man has just like known everything like from day one yeah no some people tried yeah that it's 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 very interesting it, like at the time people knew very little when it yeah. when it first happened um but now like we have drugs called prep that prevent um like if you were gonna have sex with a partner like it would prevent you from getting it we have drugs that treat it like you can get down to like one pill a day that you can take it and you can treat it and it gets to the point where it's undetectable in people's system and when it's undetectable that means that you can't spread it. Okay. Like you, people who are at that point, like literally like you test and it looks like they don't have it anymore. Yeah. And so it's like, we have these incredible drugs to treat this, this condition. And yet we haven't found a way to eradicate it. And it's because of the education. There's a lot of components. It's education, it's stigma, it's access. Um, it's, it's a kind of a classic example of like our healthcare system where, mm certain groups of people are, are way worse off and yeah. are systematically worse off. We saw this during COVID and for the first time people were like, why are certain racial groups worse off? It's kind of like consistently like that across healthcare. Right. And it has to do with just like how systematic our, you know, our, our systems are and how much they affect these people. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it, um, it was very eye opening for me because I was really lucky to have grown up and always had health insurance. Yeah. And it wasn't something I thought about and it was, and, and seeing this and seeing how badly certain groups of people were affected mm-hmm. versus others. Um, it, it was, I mean, it was mind blowing to me. It's like, and so I, I, I just, I don't know, kind of naively, like I was always told like, 
if you want to do something, you can do it. And I was like, I'm going to fix the healthcare system. Um, You're well on your way. (laughs) I I have to say far from it, but uh, I don't think at the time I realized the like quantum of issues there are. People say those kinds of things and they don't do anything about it. You are actively doing something about it. So that's more than most. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to believe I'm at least making some impact and that means a lot to me. I hope like over my lifetime, I'll be able to make a dent of an impact. Um, but it was, and I spent a lot of years, as you know, like thinking about whether to go into policy or business, et cetera. And and this, what, like what I'm doing now, I do feel like I'm making an impact however small. Um, but I hope that I, in my lifetime will make just a little, at least a little dent. See, and I feel, and I know you will, first of all, sorry, (laughs) I didn't mean to jump through that. I know you will. Anything you set your mind to, I know you can do. See, this is what I mean. People told me that. So I was like, I I can do this. I can fix it. <laughs> well, you had the audacity, but now you also have like the scope of the worldview and you're like, okay, let me try. Sure. Yeah. At least. And that's setting your mind to something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that that was maybe the thing that got you started. I also thought, and I don't, we don't need to go into like politics or things, but I know that you had like a bit of a shift there and just like values probably got stronger in certain areas and might have informed this decision I imagine yeah I mean I I just became really committed to to solving it and I think it it does it does tie into kind of values and politics in a way but it was just like a an immense degree of privilege that I had for a very long time um having access to healthcare is a great example having access to to like yeah health and nutrition etc like so I turned 26 in December <laughs> and I was, um, I lost mine luckily only for a month, <laughs> but it was like, it was scary conceptually. Um, and again, also privileged that I had it until I was 26, which like you should be like, which not everybody knows this rule, but you can stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26 years old. Yeah. People don't even necessarily know that rule. Right. So like you were basically assuming kicked your parents off because have it, you turned 26. The same is about to happen to me. Yeah. Right. But assuming your parents have it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was working one day, like probably two months ago. And I told you this story already, but I'll reiterate. Um, there this girl came in I was working at Orange Theory and this girl came in and um she needed to put a new credit card on file because the one that she had used earlier in the day got uh, it just she had to shut it down and so we got to talking about it and she said that she had gone on to and I don't even want to like I don't want to discourage people from using this site but it's hacked so you need to know <laughs> she went on to the Obamacare website to sign up for healthcare. And, um, immediately after putting her email in just for an inquiry, someone called her and talked her through like all of her policy options. She ended up going with one, um, and then had gone for a doctor's appointment earlier the day that she came into Orange Theory and the doctor was like, your insurance is fake. I was like, stop it. And the reason I was so scared was because the same thing had happened to me. I literally put my email as advised by my mother and onto the site and someone called me like maybe three minutes after I did that. And it sounded like a 30 year old, like Hmm. dude in Manhattan, (laughs) truly. 
and he walked me through all of my policy options and like told me the breakdown of prices and da 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 and I was like okay and I was asking questions we talked for like 15 minutes and um at the end he wanted to like see if I wanted to start it we could post date it he wanted to have a credit card on file and I was like I don't know if I really want to like go through with this today I want to talk to my parents I don't feel comfortable putting a credit card down and he hung up on me and I was like that was sketchy like that I I didn't feel weirded out about it until that moment and then I was like oh no Hmm. and all this to say that it's not the system it's the people that have hacked the system so if anyone calls you about health insurance <laughs> that's not real <laughs> sure yeah you should be careful I I will I will say I don't fully discourage people from using the Obamacare marketplace exchanges so like one of the Obamacare or you know the, the Affordable, Affordable Care Act, Act. Yeah. <laughs> um my mom hates it when people use Obamacare <laughs> only because she's like it has like the bad connotation now that it's been corrupted but it's affordable care well yes people politicized it uh very quickly but the affordable care act did a a ton of different things uh for our system it expanded medicaid like it Mm -hmm. it created these exchanges where people can buy and compare health insurance which is really really valuable because if you think about someone from your perspective to be able to actually see all of your plan options in one place and compare the cost compare the coverage etc is actually incredibly valuable um, the person that you're describing is also actually a real role. They're called brokers or consultants in the process. The person um, that called. The person that called. The person that called you maybe could have been a scam, um, but mm-hmm. there are real brokers and consultants that actually do this for but a living. But there are some that are fake. Theoretically, you know the difference? I know nothing about the fake ones. But how I are you only know, to know about the, the real ones. I don't know the answer to that That's question. Scary. It is scary for sure. Um, I would probably ask them what company they work for and maybe go into a couple like vet details. Them a little bit. Yeah, vet them a little bit. Never give someone your credit. If he hung up on you, that's probably a bad sign. Yeah. But granted, these people are trying to call someone all day and just get someone to sign up so they can get a commission on getting you to choose uh, X plan over okay. Y plan. Right. So these people exist kind of there there are real brokers and consultants i cost like <laughs> i probably wouldn't give anyone my credit card right. over the phone without some verification yeah, so like yeah. definitely be careful um but those exchanges are really helpful and i think most people especially our age just don't necessarily even know about them well no i didn't know about them the other thing is like i don't know a lot about like you present me with a policy i'm like okay what does that mean you know yeah. like i don't know there's how to really, read them really, and really I limited can't knowledge. even yeah and I can't even imagine like anyone that doesn't have English as a first language oh, yeah. it has to just be an absolute nightmare it's, of course they make it so challenging classic example of how we make this hard on anybody yes. who is not a white individual yeah. yeah um no it's it's it is very very difficult to understand it ta- like I've worked in healthcare now for a year like it's you know the business side of healthcare yeah. at least for years so I have a pretty I have what I would consider a much more than normal understanding of these things mm-hmm. um which is why I'm like you but people call me all the time to be like this happened and I don't know what to do and I'm like okay this is what your co-insurance <laughs> versus your co-pay is this is how you know this is what this means I'm gonna this have you read means. through my benefits package honestly <laughs> no my mom actually <laughs> she had to get her benefits like her full benefits booklet sent to her home uh-huh. and she wrapped it up and gave it to me as a christmas gift <laughs> so that when she 
That's so, so that funny. when she had a her next medical thing and she called me, I could actually understand it oh, because I good. had the booklet in front of me, which I was like, that's actually really helpful. So thank you. Yeah. Um, that is but yes, so a classic funny. example. Um, and I do this all the time for people because it is incredibly hard to understand and, and it's not like health insurance companies are going out of their way to help you understand it. Yeah. No, I really value any time I call you about that sort of thing. I also call Courtney anytime I'm filing my taxes and more specifically <laughs> Courtney's father. <laughs> yeah. He's much more valuable than I am. Um, I know nothing about taxes. Great. I use TurboTax. I want to be clear that uh, <laughs> I cannot give tax advice. My father who is in wealth management uh, is much more well-versed in this, but uh, no, but like seriously, cause the taxes the past two years have been nightmarish. And each time I've called Courtney and conveniently she refers to her dad and then we figure it out. And it's I good. find people call me for a variety of issues. If it has anything to do with finance, healthcare, like I said, the Roth even IRA. Like law, I feel like I get those questions too. Really? People just assume. Yeah, that's that's, it's I mean, close that's enough, right? it's not bad that people assume that you know a lot of things like that's pretty cool sure yeah I, I might be giving some very bad advice people call me when they're like how do I budget how do I like get by on very little I'm like this is this is <laughs> this is fun <laughs> it's similar how do I stretch a dollar <laughs> um this might be a loaded question hmm but all things considered with this healthcare talk, do you have like kind of an ideal what you hope the healthcare system could look like or what you're like aiming for to change? It's a hard question. Yeah. Um, I realize that. So because you don't to, like, I think people don't even realize like how much is wrong, you know, and, yeah. and not to like totally destroy the system, but like there's just a lot of a lot of pain points um, for patients, for providers, for like... Give me an example. The whole system. Um, I mean, it's just like, look at look at mental health um, and how hard it is for people to find doctors and network. Like a really, really good, big yeah. problem for people our age is trying to find a physician who's in their network and they go on, they look at the directory, they call people who aren't taking patients, they call and the number isn't even actually a doctor. Yeah. Um, so like there's... And then how much you actually still have to pay for your, your mental care. health care even after insurance. Sure. Astronomical. Yeah. One of the one of the things I'm working on now is, is looking at with people are continually paying or getting higher deductibles. And so when you have a higher deductible and you're faced with some kind of cost, like you're facing you potentially like hundreds to thousands of dollars in expenses at one point in time, like most of the population Mm -hmm. can't afford a bill of like a, just a one-time bill of $500. Right. And so you go and you have an accident and you are sitting there and you don't have the savings to pay for this. Like you are. And so like, do you, people have to choose between putting food on the table and paying off their medical bills? You know, what's crazy is I have a friend from Ireland who, when she was visiting like a few years ago, she got in a car accident in California and she was in the hospital for like two days and the bill was like thousands of dollars and she can't pay it. And they won't let her back in the country. <laughs> that's wild. Isn't that crazy? How? I, I don't even know how that works, but that's... She's just like, there's, they're, they're like, they there will be debt collectors waiting for you, like, when you come back into the country, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is the reality, is there's, there's, 
one of the biggest issues that I see is like there's so little transparency in price. Like w- w- for everything else that consumers do nowadays, you can yeah. see how much it's going to cost before you get there. Yeah. We don't have that in healthcare. Like you are you when you show up to get your MRI scan, you have absolutely no idea what that bill is going to be after. Is it true that if you call the hospital and you're like give me an itemized bill, they'll charge you less? Sometimes, yes. Okay. Like there, there's all, all these statistics. Is something that I haven't spent time around, but there's all these statistics around like how many times your your bill is wrong, and like why people should look at it because sometimes it's just wrong and they charge you for things that they. And this is not like all the time, and I don't so think upsetting. hospitals are out to get you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it does happen, and so like there's companies that are trying to address that. There's like, but it's it that is the even if you did get the itemized bill, you probably would be like, I don't know. I don't know what this means. I don't know like, what happened to me. This looks roughly right. Yeah. Like how how would you know what like with I, medical terminology and codes? How do you know, know as no, a consumer what it true. is? I went to the dentist recently and they wanted to like fit me for a night guard and they were telling me about like the night guard options. Um, which first of all, I was frustrated with the visit anyway because it wasn't super holistic. Like I've had this like jaw tension, like not to go into too too much detail, <laughs> but like you know when that TMJ starts acting up. Um, and I've been very stressed lately and I haven't been sleeping well. Like my jaw will like slide out of place. It's like so weird. Um, and I went for that and they, first of all, didn't even ask me how I've been sleeping. Like didn't ask any questions like related to like my overall health. It was just like, oh, you're, there's, there must be something wrong with your teeth. There's not. Okay. This is, okay. This is a tangent, but I was so annoyed too. I, I don't want to tell everyone my medical history, <laughs> but like it's they're saying the things about my gums because of, they're like, oh, this is because you had braces. I'm like, well, you put the braces on me. Like what? <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, night guard that was going to cost a thousand dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, and then I go home, I didn't do it. And I go home and my dad's like, you could get one at the drugstore for $30. And Absolutely. I'm like, yeah what like yeah why? but that dentist probably got some sort of percentage commission type of thing on whatever they that's were fitting crazy. you on um, that's crazy I, I don't know dental very well at all so that's just a hypothesis no this but was just like because it happened recently yeah totally and that's a great I mean that's a great example is people just and then like the dentist and they're doing things you don't know what he's doing and then he turns he, he goes out and he fills a bunch of codes that you like you're like well I don't did he did he do that when he was in my mouth I don't know and, yeah, and there and was also like a little more. bit of like a fear tactic because he was like oh you could do this or you could have surgery in the future or you could have like you know other more invasive procedures and I'm like bro like sounds like a really great or pay a thousand dollars like how come these are my options here I really am not I wasn't that concerned I just wanted to make sure that like no and that's that's really really common like price transparency in the industry and there's there's a bunch of companies trying to address it and people are very stuck in their ways which makes it very hard um Mm. and the way that like claims and billings work billing works with insurance companies is very complex and convoluted and so um, it's a hard problem to address. But the other thing you brought up is is like uh, people coordinating and doing like holistic care, which yeah. like the reality is, is that produces better outcomes. Like yeah. I've had multiple times where like people will be like, okay, well, you should mention this to your other doctor. They'll be like, my GI will say, you should probably tell your OBGYN about XYZ. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm definitely not going to communicate that right. So <laughs> that feels like it's pointless. Yeah. But the, and the model right now is that like every specialty keeps themselves like there's not shared records there's not like holistic integrative like care yeah and well it's also weird because I can see the effort is starting to 
get there in certain places which is great but like when my pcp is like uh are you depressed i'm like well this is like a weird conversation to have with you <laughs> you know what i mean yeah you're like no i don't want to talk about it yeah no um it's that's that's like a major trend in healthcare and that people think it's going to continue to progress is that this it, it's there's just two models it's called fee for service which is what we basically know normally which is where like whatever service the doctor provides to you they they bill for that service so like if you went in to get a dental cleaning, they bill for dental cleaning, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, th- that's the typical model. And so doctors are incentivized to see as many patients as possible because that's how they make money. Oh, right. It's like, if there's six of you that come in, I make more and than if there were five of you. it takes 40 minutes for me to actually get seen at my appointment. Exactly. So mm-hmm. they're incentivized to see as many people as possible. But right. what they're shifting to is this model called value-based care. And so that model basically incentivizes and like kind of it's like a bit of carrot and stick where like depending on which model Mm -hmm. it is but it's shifting towards the idea that like you are compensated based on the outcome not just what you did but the outcome right so like you're incentivized compensated or quoted compensated so like you are paid and like sometimes they take on kind of a little bit of like risk or whatever it's 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 a little bit more complex and it's worth spending time on here but the idea is that you're compensated based on outcomes and so you're incentivized Tricky. to communicate with their other doctors. You're incentivized to bring those people into your own practice. You're incentivized to do the most efficient care huh. because you're going to be paid or you're going to lose money if they uh, end up going to the hospital. And so oh. because of that, it's, it's that shift. There's like an accountability factor. Exactly. And so because of that, you're, you're no longer just incentivized to see as many people as possible and kind of punt them out the door you're incentivized to make sure that Quality. that person is as healthy as possible and doesn't end up in the hospital, doesn't end up coming back for more procedures, et cetera. Oh, okay. Which is great. Yeah. I, I believe Is it that to be a more good common thing. in like the smaller practices though, or is it? It's, it's kind of, it's, it's very difficult for people to implement, which okay. is why I think it's taking, it, it'll take a little while for is the system to like, shift. Is this something like, like, I don't know if I imagine a lot of doctors are probably unionized or is that something they could push back on is this like are we getting way too in the weeds here with this no you're getting in the weeds um it's it's very complex it takes a lot of it's hard for doctors themselves to kind of implement these types of financial arrangements with insurance companies etc and so um they need a lot of support which is something that like we we as my company does is like trying to figure out how to like help people integrate these types of contracts and how do you support them how do you help them with the it the administration etc um and so it's just it it's really positive. It's where the industry is going. Most people believe that's where the industry is going is that it's going to continue to shift to more of this value-based care and based on outcomes, et cetera. Um, but it's exciting yeah. because it's a good thing. I think that's great. No, I love that. I also, there, there's only one, I've been to one dentist that was a holistic dentist and I loved them. Yeah. It's great. People, I mean, people love holistic integrative care because it yeah. makes your life easier. It makes the outcomes better. Yeah. It's, it's what it is. That's yeah. great. Um, cool. Well, Okay. We are <laughs> focusing on fixing the system. <laughs> we know that now. Um, but I still want to talk a little bit more about you and your, like, wh- how you got here. Because sure. I know this, you know, we're on this venture now, which is very exciting. And, like, I'm thrilled for you. Um, but your pre-pandemic, even, like, during the pandemic, work life was very different 
looked very different, felt very different. Yes. For all of us. It was hard. <laughs> for all of us watching you. For all of us, yeah. Um, and I just wanted to hear a little bit about that. I, for a long time, this was... Okay, actually, there's two stories that came to mind when I was thinking <laughs> about this. The first one is how rarely, rarely I would see you for the odd spicy margarita <laughs> across <laughs> the street from your office like during happy hour after which you would go back to your office until like 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, sounds right. Um, and that was like once a month kind of activity. We maybe see Courtney. If we see Courtney, she's got her laptop on her. <laughs> like, and then I remembered the time that we were driving to the beach with Abby and you were in the back doing something that for a long time I was able to explain to other people and I've since forgotten what you were doing. It was amortization. Doing. Yes. <laughs> amortization of loans. Yeah, that's what we were talking oh, about. I yeah. knew, I knew that I remembered part of it, but um, that is so funny. I was so proud of myself once you like really broke it down for me, and then I was able to relay it. To I other yeah, people. I loved it when you you brought you like brought it up a couple weeks after, and I was like, yes, she gets it. Yeah, well, it's it's gone, it's gone out the brain. It's gone now. Yeah. It's gone now. It's gone out of my brain too. So okay, great. <laughs> um, but that was very much the lifestyle. Yes. Um. So I don't know. I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about like what it's been like to have more of a work-life balance and what like how that's changed just your life in general yeah um immensely is the answer um it it has been um like fantastic for me but I did you're right I spent my first couple of years I, I feel think like most you didn't people, even realize what it looked like on the other side of things no I didn't Because this was like out the gate yes and I I actually tell people all the time I'm really grateful that I did it in this order because you're more the first job I had was an investment banking job, which I'm sure most people listening have heard of investment banking and like know that it's, you know, considered a relatively hard industry. And I was working somewhere between 90 to up to like 130 plus hours. Crazy. Um, Like no exaggeration. Yeah. And I was working seven days a week. I was witnessing. Yeah. I was working until, you know, I was working until the wee hours of the morning and I was waking up and working again in the wee hours of the morning. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely it's uh, it was tough um but I I to a degree knew what I was getting into like I knew investment banking was hard um and I went to a place that had a really really good reputation but wasn't known as like a cushy work-life balance place um but I did it because in my head when I was presented with all the options I thought it would be the best way for me to learn and I was like this is like a fast track to learning and people tell you they're like you know what you do investment banking you can do anything you can go do anything after like the like the the skills you get from true? doing investment banking um I found it to be less true uh than, than I think was presented to me <laughs> okay. uh I think if you do investment banking you're really well positioned to do anything else in finance okay um, not really well positioned to do like everything else um sure. so you can go you're really well positioned to work in private equity or a hedge fund, <laughs> um, which like to the people presenting it to you, that's their ultimate dream. Yeah. And they're like, what else could you possibly want? So they believe sure. it. Um, that wasn't really what I wanted uh, necessarily, but th- that's what it was known for. And so I, I knew that it would be a grind, Yeah. but I wanted to have, I wanted to learn as much as possible in two years of an, of a banking program. And I did, I mean, I learned a ton and I was working one-on-one with CEOs, CFOs. I had an, I mean, an incredible learning experience. Yeah. Um, but like until you actually work that much, you don't know what it feels like. Um, and it's tough. It's 
draining. You have no social life. You, I mean, your, your life is your job. And as you move up in your career in that field, like you get more and more time back to yourself. So the idea is like you sacrifice a couple years mm-hmm. and then you, but for me, like it wasn't what I wanted to do long-term. Um, and I knew that. So it was, it was tough. And there were moments that were rewarding. Um, and it got me to where I am. So I'm grateful for that. Um, yeah. But I don't necessarily recommend that people do it. Well, I feel like it. that attitude is generally changing anyway. Like this whole sacrifice yourself for years and then it'll pay off. Like I, I feel Absolutely. like that doesn't end up being true for a lot of people. Like it can create more problems than it solves. It do- I mean, it, like they tell you the work-life balance gets better, but it, it yeah. does. But like your life will still be in, in those industries. Like you're, you're working a lot. I mean, it just lot. feels like an excuse for like, cheaper labor <laughs> it does and I, I mean not that it's cheap no but, it's not cheap yeah. um and and that's part of how they get you is yeah. that like you enter that industry and you're paid really I mean, you're gonna be check. one of the highest paid yeah. people the the Entry the level. real competitive threat is tech because mm. tech jobs are very high paying but have way better understanding yeah. of work-life balance of benefits of wellness etc and right. so financial firms are now struggling because they used to get, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, they used to get every top talent out of school because they'd be like, you're going to be an sure. banker. You're going to make the most money doing this. But now tech companies are coming in and they're hiring the so top talent. So what's their leverage? What can they offer now? Right now? I don't know. Um, I, I mean, they. I wonder like, because there's this whole remote work revolution, the great resignation, as so many people are calling it. And I just wonder how they're being hit. Talent is hard. I I think it's, I think they're being hit hard since I'm no longer in the space. I don't, I don't have the full quantity of it, but it's been increasingly hard and it's been increasingly hard for them to keep talent. I mean, I, of my class of 35 analysts, I don't, I don't think I know of a single one that's still there, maybe one or two. Um, which is like people, which is people less leave. common previously. I probably, yes, people yeah. stayed and people got a career out of it. And I think people get burned out now and they realize that they can kind of go to other things. And that's sort of what happened to me is I got a little bit burned out, but got, you know, also got presented with a really good opportunity that, that fit everything. Yeah. Um, and now that I have the balance, it's incredible because I don't make the mistakes that I once made. Like, mm. that's the craziest thing to me is like by giving me sleep, yeah. And like a life you like, I am so much more valuable of an employee because I have the ability to think and like process and like put and, your best foot forward and put my best foot forward. Every time it's like my productivity is so high because I'm not being drained. And so like, I feel for the first time in my life, like I'm really adding value and I didn't feel like that. And I, and I don't think it's cause I couldn't, I think it's because it's like a, it's like a smarter, not harder. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like giving me the, like the sleep, the like social <laughs> God life, forbid. right? Like, yeah, the extra the time to exercise. Yeah. It's made it so like, I am such a better employee. Yeah. I'm happier. I'm better. I'm like contributing, et cetera. Like, it's just, it's, it's been really amazing. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm loving it. People tell me I'm smiling a lot more. So I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. Again, like I said, I can't believe we're doing this at four o'clock. Like yes. this is crazy to me. <laughs> um, cool. So that's shaped you in a lot of ways. And just before we pivot away from the, the finance stuff, I wanted to ask too, like just that was such a male dominant work culture. And I wonder if like there's anything you wanted to comment on in, in that regard of like navigating that and like just being in that space. Sure. It's yeah. Um, As a it woman. continues to be very, very male dominant. Even I mean, even now, like my group. Um, we have three, I was the second woman, um, at my current company, but there, you know, there's, it's hard, it's hard because there's just not a lot of senior women in finance. 
Um, Do you feel like you had to put on like a certain type of air to you? I feel like to a degree, yes, because I felt like to succeed in that industry, I needed to like basically get as close as I could to the characteristics of a white man as possible. Like that was how I was like, I was like, if I need to be, I need to be like this white guy next to me. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm going to really like, like go up the career ladder and succeed here is by doing that. Um, because there's, I mean, there's not female role. And the, the, the reality is, is like, like my value add is different than a man. The way that I think about things is different. Like, that's just like, that's science. Like we are different. Mm-hmm. And I think that creates a ton of value and like, like statistics and studies show that having diverse thought le- leads to better outcome. Yeah. But like in that, in that world in the male dominated, like finance world, that wasn't really like that wasn't really the focus. I don't think people really bought in as much to the idea that diverse thought leads to better outcomes. I see it so much more now in my current job. And that's, what's incredible to me is I'm like, okay, when you champion diverse voices, you actually, you actually get better outcomes. And my current company is like, they're so focused. They're like, people have the, like the mentality of let's get it right. Not let's get it my way. Mm. And so I felt like in that male dominated like finance ego world it was like let me do it my way I need to be right because because of my ego it's like it's very different now where I don't think that I need to be the white guy next to me to succeed I think I can be me and like my thoughts are what are going to allow me to succeed and me as I climb the ladder surrounding myself with people that are different than me that's how I'm going to succeed and that's well I feel like that also has to contribute to you being like a more effective employer like or feeling like you have value is just like confidence in your own opinions and thoughts and like presenting them, knowing that they're being heard and valued. Yes. I, I actually had a conversation with a woman yesterday who's a COO um, of a healthcare business. And I, I was just chatting with her and I was like, the really incredible thing is when you give people a voice. And that's what I feel that I have now is oh, that like, I have a voice at the I'm table, so no matter like what position someone's in, no matter like, you know, who they are, what they look like they have a voice because because people genuinely want to hear everyone's opinions and questions because it might lead to a better outcome like it's it's it doesn't even have to be like i i think diversity inclusion is good for moral reasons i think it's good for business reasons because Mm -hmm. it is right um so yeah i it's it's been it's been very um very enlightening and 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 very fun to to be in that role now i'm so glad and speaking of having a voice i know that one of your other jobs turned to you to be on the LGBTQ committee and you were asked to do a speech about allyship. Yes. Yeah. That must have been like a bit of a shock, I feel like, just to go from trying to be a white male to like Oh totally. I I mean in my first job I was afraid to tell people that I was queer. Like I didn't I didn't want anyone to know and part of it was that like I know to a degree I was being sexualized in that role and I like I feared that like I wouldn't get promoted if you know what I mean like which is so so horrible and convoluted but that's that's how my mind thought Uh, it's my first job it was like I was afraid to tell people and then I kind of selectively told people and then like you know by the end of my two years I kind of started to like tell like I told the recruiters they would send me all of the the LGBT kids that were like interested in the company and I would talk to them etc um you know and then I moved on to my next job and they gave me that that platform um and it was me and another guy who were the two kind of LGBT individuals at the company um and we got to lead that session uh how did it go it was great um and it was super well received and we kind of tried to keep it like really simple we did like a panel of like common questions like how can we because I feel like with like 
diversity in general, people are very afraid to get it wrong. And so yeah. people like people are afraid to ask pronouns or people are afraid to like ask anything like because they don't want to get it wrong. And I think that leads to people being excluded. Um, and so we, sp- we did a panel where we asked like several questions just about like, what's it like being queer in the workplace? Like, how can we support you? Like, how can we make your lives easier? Um, and people like actually participated and like asked questions and like, this isn't necessarily something like this is a financial firm, right? Yeah. And, and people actually spoke up. Um, and our CEO asked a couple questions. Um, and he That's called, so cool. he actually immediately after the session called me and the other guy who both of us, by the way, were associate, we were the lowest level on the totem pole at mm-hmm. the company. And he was the CEO of mm-hmm. a like multi-billion dollar organization. Yeah. And he literally Zoom called us directly and was like, I really want to thank you guys because that was super informative. Like, Ugh. I really, really appreciated it. I would love for us to continue the conversation. And it was, I mean, it was wow. like, I was on cloud nine. I was like, I can't believe this actually went well. Um, and then you were so nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous. And I, and I, I said to the, to the guy I was working with that did it with me. I was like, I was like, I just realized this is the most out I've ever been. Like yeah. I have never been this out in the workplace. And it like, I, I just told my whole hundred person company and talked about what it's like. Um, and, and how did that feel? And it was, it was terrifying for a while, mm-hmm. but it was, I mean, it was just so exciting. Um, yeah. and it felt very like freeing and it felt like I, I just rewarding in a lot of ways to be, to be that out and to help people navigate that. And I, I'm one voice and my coworker was one voice and we have our own perspectives and opinions. And I tried to highlight that, like my, my experience as a white cisgender like person in the LGBT community is very, very different yeah. from like many others, like, and it's much, much better. I have an immense amount of privilege within my own community. So my perspectives are not necessarily the right ones that are not necessarily like, but I, well, but we is, had, there you know, is no, like, I mean, of course right. there there's is. no right. But I was like, these are, this is what I think. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I really encourage all of you to like continue to ask people yeah. and to continue to try and put the effort in and the research in, et cetera. Um, so it was great. I mean, it was like, it was very rewarding. Um, and I came into my new job and just yeah. was out as can be and tried to <laughs> try to drop it as much as possible. Um, so enough people knew <laughs> <laughs> you're like, let me get this set in time. Yes. Like, I was like, of it, the curve. exactly. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, that's one of the challenges I think, um, for LGBT individuals is every single time you meet someone, you have to come out. People think that like, coming out as like one discrete event yeah that like people are like oh they came out on Facebook or like they came out on Instagram or whatever and it's like no every single time I meet someone I have to find a way to come out and I try and do it as uneventfully as possible like that is my goal (laughs) I'm like please don't make a thing out of it so I like I hope that someone's like how was your weekend and I'm like oh me my girlfriend and then people are like oh but did she mean girlfriend or did she mean and it's like then I have to go around so then I'm like fine and then I have to actually say and I'm like this is the worst (laughs) so we found it like has gotten easier though or like less of an event it to a degree yes does it just depend on your audience it does it depends on your audience um and I think people are adjusting in many ways and, and they're getting better about it but um it's hard it's it's just like it's it's a hard thing to like slip into something without people reacting and people always don't know how to react they're like oh should I give you a high five or like (laughs) yeah that happens to me more than you would you would like to know um (laughs) (laughs) or they'll be like oh great and you're like okay this doesn't need to be a thing I really didn't want it to be a thing so like Uh, it's so it's it's I've gotten a little bit better at it I think but it's it's situational interesting yeah well I'm very glad that you um that your old company gave you that opportunity and that you've like 
I don't know, just been able to carry that into your new um, work life and personal life and all that good stuff. Um, this is like kind of flipping back to the work-life balance, but in mm-hmm. terms of your free time now mm-hmm. and kind of building on this fact that you've now built more of a community and like yeah. found your community in New York, you yeah. know, in the LGBTQ yeah. community, um, which I know is paramount for you for a yeah. long time and not as possible as it is now. So I'm really excited that you've found that for yourself. And um, I've just, I just want you to yeah. share a little bit about no, it. No, I mean, it's, it's been um, game changing for me. I think yeah. it, I put off basically finding a queer community in New York because I was working so much. Um, and so I, I feel very lucky that when I moved to New York, I had a core group of friends who, like, mostly were from high school. Fiona is one of them. Uh- <laughs> I just had this, like, flash memory of this year celebrating Pride. Um, uh, Courtney <laughs> fondly refers to us as the straight friends. Yes, I, um, I do it often. Yeah, you do it often. And we, that's fine. We um, went to celebrate Pride. <laughs> Um, and one of Courtney's dear friends, uh, gave me the name, the ally while we were out <laughs> and that was fine. <laughs> it's just so That's funny. what you are. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, um, okay. <laughs> yes. You, I continually refer to you guys that way, but I, I, was, I love it. I'll I, take it. Yeah, it's great. It's what you are. Um, no, it was, I feel very lucky that I moved to New York and I had that network because I know people move here and it's a big city and it's easy to get lost. So I, I had that friend group and I'm so grateful because it got me through those, those tough years. Um, but, but there was a lot about your experience that we couldn't understand yeah. and that you tried to tell us that we could not possibly understand despite us uh, trying to tell you that we understand, yeah. <laughs> which yeah, yeah. we, you know, exactly. Um, um yeah, due yeah. Time. Eventually got there. Yeah. Um, no, it's, yes, there's a lot of things that are very difficult to yeah. understand. And I think I probably sounded dramatic at times talking about them, but that's because lesbians are dramatic. Um, <laughs> And, (laughs) um, but I mean, and it's, it's, it's as simple as like, I, I could only convince my, you know, five, six straight friends who were single to go to the lesbian bar so many times, right? Like people wanted to go out and meet someone and have the opportunity. And when you're, you know, that outnumbered, it's like, it's it's just different. Um, and so meeting this group of people that I met through, um, the soccer team that I play with has been, uh, amazing for me. Um, and it was just like, I felt so validated in a way hanging out with them. Like they have all the same stories and all the same like stereotypes and problems that like that I do. And like, we've all been through this. And if you like dating in the LGBT, like lesbian world is very small. And so, you know, everyone shares exes and like, Mm -hmm. it's but it was just like, it was fun to have that like common bond with people. Um, And so it's been, it's been incredible to me. I mean, it's been like life changing to me to like actually have, people who get that side of me because you guys did everything that you put in were like great friends to me always yeah. but there was degrees of it that you couldn't understand were great friends yes yeah. you guys are, are sorry excuse me what is this past uh, tense? <laughs> no but you guys are you guys are exceptional but it's like there's pieces of it yeah, that yeah, like you'll course. just never you'll never experience and never understand so like people like me I think it's like it's it's tough to accept that that we can't understand it because of course like as someone that cares about you very deeply you want to of course help in whatever way possible but there's just like there's just corners of your life your identity that yes 
is just we're not going to be able to relate to or understand and so I'm very glad that you totally yeah it's been I mean it's been incredible for me um and I met my girlfriend that way so I'm very grateful for that um but yes it's been it's just been it's been comforting like I felt I I moving to New York was a comfort thing for me like I felt very at home here but having this community like I just feel like I can be fully myself and they're still gonna make fun of me the same way that you guys do and you moved to Brooklyn which (laughs) like makes all the difference honestly all the difference I was meant to be here the whole time yeah um so yeah it's been it's been great I'm so glad what would you tell your 17 year old self oh man that's a tough one I know I have like a few just like fun like end of convo questions yeah um That's a, that's a really hard one. I guess I would say work hard, but don't kill yourself. Like don't work. You don't need to grind away into the wee hours of the night. Like, I think I've always had the mentality of, of like, if you work the hardest, like you will succeed. And and, and was that like nurtured or was that just in your nature? Cause I've always known you to be like a very like academic person (laughs) with immense discipline. I think it, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I had two brothers growing up and so I'm like just hyper competitive. And I think that partly was like, I always needed to be the best at everything. Um, Mm, and now I've said in my life and I'm like, okay, I don't need, I really don't need to be the best at everything. Like I just like, that's not my goal when I do things, something like if I'm playing soccer, I would like to do that. Um, but no, but I, I think I, there's a line, you know, of like working yourself too hard. And I think I never acknowledged that. And I think in high school, I probably like worked too hard. And like, to be clear, Courtney in high school was like always in the teacher's office, like (laughs) not to like ask for help, just to vibe. Yeah. Cause they were awesome. And I was an old soul, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, naturally. No, I, I did. And I, and you knew I was, I was playing soccer really competitively. So I was traveling every weekend. I was driving two hours to practice, you know, two or three Mm -hmm. times a week. So I was, I was just, I was drained. Um, and then I did that again and then I did it again. You know, like I got used to putting my, like just overworking myself. Extremes. Exactly. And I think I had to take a step back to be like, it's okay to not be killing yourself. It's just not sustainable. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, well I support that message. I co-sign 17 year old Courtney, if you're listening to this. (laughs) listen closely yeah exactly <laughs> um okay here are my other two fun final questions okay okay I'll do you want me to end on the like more casual one or the sure more like I don't know which one? one will take me longer to think of an answer so just pick one okay um what would you attempt if you knew you couldn't fail so such a good question and my answer is going to be so nerdy because it would be like changing public policy on healthcare. I mean that that tracks. <laughs> yeah, but it's like that in our country it's so so hard to actually get like bills through Congress and signed mm-hmm. and like to me like that is such an impediment because if we could actually just change policy like we could fix so many of the problems. Yeah. But it's so hard in our country and that I mean that's But you just went the into business instead of policy. I did. Yeah. Because I, partly because of that, because it takes so long and it, everything that goes through ends up being kind of watered down. Mm. And so I just, I, I, do, I haven't written off policy as a path, but I, 
It would take some chutzpah. Yeah. And I, I, I think businesses can solve problems now and start like making things better now. Um, and I think and you're collecting have, so much information while you're doing it. Exactly. So. And they have a lot of power and, yeah. and yeah, unfortunately money has a lot of power. And yeah. so if we can solve problems that way and make things better that way, I think I'm going to continue to do it. But, but yeah, if I could, I would get some, some bills through Congress. I love that. Okay. <laughs> and the last question, anyone, and I'll preface this as like famous, just so it's not weird. But anyone alive or dead, what three people would you want to have a dinner party with? Oh, my God, you're going to make me three? You can do one. Okay, I just Ruth think it's harder Ginsburg to pick one. hands down my one. Okay. See, I just think it's harder to pick one. Oh, no. It's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay, great. So, like, hands down. Hands down. Like, what an incredible woman um, who, like, completely advanced. The, like, she's she, to me, like, I think about this all the time because you know me. I, I have yeah. very strong views, but I love to learn. And, like, if someone has a well-founded view, I love to listen. Yeah. Um, but I find people that are different. Like, it's hard for me when people just all out disagree with me. And I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a really good example of, like, you have to kind of find creative ways and to get people on your side. You're a great debate, though. Well, I love a debate. I know. You're good at it. <laughs> but she like really championed the idea that like, like what she did with women where it was like, you know, it, she took a case against a man, right? Like yeah. where it was sexism against a man because she knew she wouldn't win in cases against like, women. Right. And so it was like, you have to get people on your side. You have to get the other people on your side and you can't just argue against them. Like she was like creative and smart and did all of that. She had strong views, but she found the way to win. Yeah. Um, and I, I think she's incredible. So she's my pick. Hands Did down. you see both the movies that I've been? Of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> They're no, so incredible. good. I yeah. remember where I was standing in Dean's kitchen when I got the news. Yeah. I Tampa. was, I was walking to a restaurant and started crying. I mean, it was, I, I mean, she was, she was killing it up until the end. Like she's, it is crazy. Like to me, and this is going to sound ridiculous, that she just like never had a retirement or like you know life without work yeah i mean she kept going she's yeah, powerhouse she's, she is powerhouse. an idol for all women in my opinion an icon um well courtney this has been such a treat i'm so glad that we got to do this are there any last thoughts you want to share um anything you want to say to the great people who are oh, listening no. um no well thank <laughs> you for having me this has been lovely um and uh yeah I really appreciate it I really appreciate all your knowledge and your so generous and sharing um and I'm very excited to see what you do next thank you this is the nicest you've ever been to me so that is I- such <laughs> a lie that is such a lie <laughs> um all right well thank you all for listening to Thoughtful Intentions this has been Fiona Winch with Courtney Parr